It is Monday, May 22nd, and this is Markets and News, Signal to Noise. Welcome to you all. Glad that you're with us. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory, and let's get Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst, in here. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Chip. Beautiful here a day here in D.C., and the Nationals have won two in a row. Yeah, I don't want to talk baseball. It uh, <laughs> is it, it is a discouraging time of the year. We might the cubby the you're not out of it by June one. I get that, but this team is showing the potential to be out of it by the end of June. It's well, that's just, where you build. That's where you yeah. build. Then, yeah, this is is really something that we need to get back on the winning side of things. Okay. You know, the the Cubs' loss over the weekend or losses over the weekend weren't the the, the news that really grabbed my attention. Uh, it was BSE, Jim. We've got a uh, an atypical case that was discovered in the United States uh, in Tennessee, correct? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it actually was traced back to a herd in Tennessee. It was confirmed in a cow in South Carolina, but they did trace it back to Tennessee. And this is, uh, it was the seventh case, uh, Chip, of uh, BSE found in the country. And the first since 2012, ironically, we talked about uh, BSE, I think it was the 20-year anniversary that Tahaney was mentioning in Canada. And then just a few hours later, we had this pop up in the news. Right, right. Why why do we not worry about this on the trade front? Well, because of uh, it's a negligible risk status. And as long as we have that, it won't it w- does not alter the status and no major trade disruptions are expected. And USDA actually put that in their release chip. But mm-hmm. I like to point out China. Now, that's why the, the many traders and analysts were cautious in their commentary uh, late Friday and over the weekend. They, they were saying, well, what about China? Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll do what they want. You know, China usually does that. But uh, we looked back and called up some of the old Trump people uh, and phase one of the U.S.-China agreement, which, by the way, is still in effect, uh, quote, says, provided the United States maintains its OIE negligible risk classification for that disease, China shall not impose new import restrictions are requirements related to that disease on imports of U.S. beef, period. Okay. okay. So Good. that's that. That's why you have trade agreements. Yeah. Just just for this reason. Yes, absolutely. So that everybody knows what the status is, that the, the status has been determined before the disease is, is, is confirmed. Thinking Um, ahead, you know, thinking ahead. This is why I like people who think, and that's why this this phase one of the U.S.-China agreement was far better than most people realize. And you know they had, I don't know what the final count was, 57 total agreements. China's fulfilling most of those, Chip, and that's a story that should be told. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It just... (laughs) It, it, the the fact that this agreement with China was not given the respect that it was due is just you know it's it's more political gamesmanship. They they basically they said that eh, it doesn't have any teeth to it. Well, if it doesn't have any teeth to it, why is China abiding by 
the agreements in in that phase one. I, it just discouraging. <laughs> yeah, and and let's hopefully they continue to take the high road on some of these uh, trade issues, even though they've had a checkered past. Now, if they were to go the other way, Chip, yeah, we we would bring them on the WTO and all that stuff, right. and that's where you get the usual laughs because it takes at least two years to right. get any anything resolved. So let's just hope they follow phase one. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, to all of you that uh, because Brazil recently had confirmation of a um, uh, of a uh, BSC case. Now, what makes it different, what makes it different is, is the time in which it is reported. Uh, I can only assume that this discovery in the U.S. was reported within 24 hours yes, of identifying yes. it in that animal. It took yeah, Brazil and- 30 days. Yeah, see, right there. We have a system in place, and you know, this can happen uh, spontaneous, and that's why it's called a typical case. Yeah, okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, You mentioned it earlier that we've got the uh, final RVOs under the RFS are on their way to the OMBs. (laughs) So budget requirements. Yes, it's it's over at the Office of Management and Budget, and now OMB starting to review the EPA's final rule. Now, what, what the market is paying attention to this, Chip, because the expectation is that uh, it has to be announced uh, no later than June 14th. And this is, you'll recall, 2023, 2024, and 2025 mandated right. levels. But the, the focus remains on any changes in the final levels of the mandate compared to their proposed plan, particularly in terms of biodiesel and renewable diesel, because the industries there uh, bombarded EPA with facts and figures that uh, showed that they should have gone higher in their initial announcement. Right, right. And it's important to the industry. It's uh, certainty going forward for those that are investing in in biodiesel, renewable diesel, and even um, uh, sustainable aviation fuels. So that certainty, confidence needs to be there for those investing in the products. Yeah, and to show the inclusivity, I know we rail on EPA frequently, and we should, but uh, uh, OMB meets with various uh, sector groups in the ag and the energy areas. They're going to start with meeting with uh, NOPA on uh, uh, May 23rd, Tuesday, and then uh, by a group, NAPSO, it's called represented tr- representing truck uh, st- uh, stop operators on May 31, Clean Fuels Alliance of America, and other groups on June 1, and United States Steel Workers on June the 6th. So that shows you the, the widespread uh, focus of this one, Chip. Now, the other market angle on this that got some in the market commentary early this morning is that the EPA's final plan that went over to OMB does not include provisions for renewable fuel right. credits called ERINs uh, that would be, would have been awarded to electric vehicle manufacturers using renewable natural gas. Now, the, the reports are that the Biden administration removed the, that language to prevent potential legal challenges, and that's why the, that's why the uh, they they were exited out. Okay. Yeah, because that that was you want to talk about certainty. It was a certainty that there were going to be legal challenges to ERINs, right? 
Yes. And EPA is finally learning to be a little more cautious when they come out with these uh, things. Right. So, I, you know, I, I, I can't fault them for that. Right. Speaking of RINs, there is proposed legislation out there, the Biofuel Parity Act, that would remove the corn discrimination clause in the RFS. Uh, basically, the corn discrimination clause is if ethanol is produced by is, is corn based, that it cannot be considered a um, uh, an advanced biofuel, therefore eligible for a D5 RIN. Uh, most, you know, the value of the D5 RIN is higher. Um, is there any chance that 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 is going to gain traction? Because it would be a huge win for corn-based ethanol. Uh, it would, and it would also help them perhaps uh, being a uh, authorized fuel for the sustainable aviation fuel. That's still yeah. an open question, Chip. There is always a hope in town. Uh, here, here's how I, I would respond to that. Uh, you have to change the renewable fuel standard program from the way it was. It was built on gasoline consumed. And we all know with the rise, the continued rise uh, in the in the years ahead of electric vehicles, you got to have it. You have to have a new system. This would 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 be part of that, in my judgment. Now, how how do you get it done? We have you look for a bill such as an omnibus spending bill yeah. or whatever that you have to wheel and deal to get enough votes on a end of year massive uh, omnibus spending bill. So I would look to that, Chip, that 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 that, you know, that could be a way to get some farm state lawmakers votes. OK. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it, it's on everybody's everybody's mind right now it's the debt ceiling what's the status well they're talking they're going to meet now we're uh monday afternoon uh this is the first solo meeting uh, between Biden, president biden and house speaker kevin mccarthy that's a good thing and uh, both of the officials have designated others to speak for them in the interim as they negotiate. And what we saw Friday when it when they were paused, uh, mm -hmm. those are these twists and starts, you know, that that you see in something like this. They're beginning to compromise both sides. Uh, so I do see an eventual uh, give and take that will uh, uh, that will end in an announcement. But then they're going to have to sell it to their uh, various constituencies in both parties, Chip, uh, both uh, the conservatives on the Republican side and the progressives are uh, uh, high liberals, if you will, in the Democratic side. So bottom line, you're going to have a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats vote against this package, but the reverse too, both uh, parties will come with votes, I think, enough to pass both the House first and then the Senate. I'm just not sure on timing. Okay. You know, th through this whole process, one of the things that I think we're measuring is uh, the credibility of the leadership to see who can get this done and and bring their party along with them. At this point in the process, who's gaining more credibility? Is it President Biden or is it Speaker McCarthy? 
you know, Speaker McCarthy right now, because this is his big test as, as yeah. speakership. Now, recall when former House Speaker John Boehner, Republican from Ohio, tried to work a grand bargain, if you will, it was called at the time, with President Obama. And that went on for a long time and eventually failed, Chip. But mm -hmm. this is McCarthy's uh, litmus test. Yeah. And uh, he he is so far shown that he's an excellent spokesperson on this one, that he knows the issues and uh, uh, Biden and the officials negotiating for him realize now that they're going to have to give. Now, the Republicans are going to have to give, too. And that's where McCarthy's going to have to be able to to uh, coax uh, enough Republicans to eventually vote to whatever the final package is. Now, Aggies in the audience will say, you know, why Why so much focus on this? You, th this yeah. town is not moving anywhere, Chip, until this issue is resolved. And that okay. includes the farm bill. That doesn't yeah. mean nothing is going on on a new farm bill, but they don't know t total spending levels and if, if there will be actually cuts in 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 farm in farm spending and in, in ag sector spending and mm -hmm. that shows you the significance of this on not just agriculture but any other major legislation going up on the hill okay so bottom line this when when do we wrap this up well they want it this week but i'll always take the other side we have until uh june june one at least based on Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and and McCarthy says he has no reason to doubt her, you know, and mm -hmm. so uh, so let's say June one that gives them into next week. You know, the legislative language has to be written whenever yeah. they announce a, 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 a template agreement. And that usually takes a couple of days, Chip. And right. so, uh, you know, Goldman Sachs has estimated that the deadline the x date as we call it could be june the 8th or june the 9th and that's when the u.s treasury will see its cash levels drop below the 30 billion dollars which most people say is the bare minimum needed to meet the u.s debt obligations now uh the there there is a backstop plan that the democrats have if this okay. falls apart again, Chris, uh, Representative Chris Van Hollen, Democrat uh, Maryland, over the weekend on ABC's This Week program, said the Democrats should move to other options, including what we call a discharge petition. Uh, that means that they're going to for a clean debt limit increase, and that needs 218 signatures. Democrats now have 210 in the House, and they hope to have all 213 House Democrats. But it's murky whether or not they, they can get those remaining signatures. So that's why the push is on for a uh, plan. Uh, and mm -hmm. the, but the market has investor jitters on this. We're down about sure. 125 in the Dow right now, but. According to a Bank of America report uh, out Friday, investors pulled almost $8 billion out of stocks last week, buying less risky Treasury notes instead. They're worried about this issue. So that tells you the market significance of this topic. Absolutely. Okay. What, is a, what, what does all of this do or mean for the momentum behind the farm bill? Well, if you, uh, number one, if you do have an agreement, it shows that 
often visceral party relationships can still be dealt with. So I think that that could set a more even tone for a, still a possible uh, uh, agreement on a farm bill yet this calendar year or early in 2024. That's number one. Two is perhaps we'll see a better vision of what will be the total funding level for agriculture. So I think it is significant because if there's not if there's not any additional funding than the CBO baseline, then you then Aggies are going to have to pull back their their uh, thrust to get higher reference prices, uh, you know, for yeah. the farm program safety net chip. They're just going to have to prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I talked about with uh, Senator uh, Jerry Moran from Kansas this morning on AgriTalk was the spending and, and whether or not the farm bill could get additional funds, even though Republicans are talking about let's cut the spending, let's cut the spending. If the farm bill should get more funds to cover that new CBO score. And basically what he said is, listen, we're going to have to agriculture and the farm bill is going to have to do their part in any spending cuts that take place doesn't suggest going beyond what's proposed in the in the budget but that the farm bill is going to have to do their part which means snap right which is the work requirements uh for snap eligibility uh yeah and and some other aspects to tighten up the operation of the food stamp uh, yep. program and that's where you have more than a few democrats upset at biden for even even negotiating this yeah. uh, still, still other levels is is how long will this debt either increase or you know debt limit increase or suspension last the republicans uh, don't want it to go too far where the Democrats and uh, wanted to go through the 2024 elections, so sometime in 2025. That's also important for the future, Chip, as you can get away, so we don't have this debt, you know, limit crisis all over again in in a, in a in a presidential election year. The the budget, the Republicans want to hold spending to 2022 levels, where the White House wants to keep uh, 2024 spending at the levels of last year, the 2023 budget. And I don't, I think that's a red line for the Republicans, that they don't like that one. So that's where they're, they're, they, they're still far apart on how much to spend, Chip, on this one. Okay. Um, another thing that we talked about with Senator Moran real quick, um, you know, I pointed out that there's debt or, um, crop loss, crop disaster relief for 2022 crops uh, that was announced last week, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I said that the, the 23 crop in Kansas is even a bigger wreck. Are you going to be looking for some additional relief on 23 crop losses? And he said, well, unfortunately, that's the world that we're living in. So, yes, he's going to have to support some some additional relief on 23 crop. And there will be, Chip. Yeah. That's just high odds. And, and also, until it's changed, uh, disaster relief funding is off budget. It doesn't count against any spending right. level reached. And that's important to remember that that doesn't mean open ended, but it does make it easier from a budget perspective. And this is why 
some people saying, hey, you, you maybe shouldn't roll uh, a permanent ag disaster program into a farm bill because then that eats into that budget uh, area. Yeah. So that's why I think it'll be kept separate. Right. Interesting. Uh, yeah. What amount of spending in in ag uh, after the 2018 it, it was like 80% of the spending for, for agriculture support was ad hoc disaster relief um, after the 2018 Farm Bill, right? Yeah, it was about $90 billion, $90 billion over the last, Jeez. what, four years, maybe. That That's a chunk of change. And and it shows, yeah, you, you can't, no, no Farm Bill can, can estimate that, Chip. So, yeah, there'll be some things where you just have to go with emergency aid. That, as uh, Senator Moran said, that's the world we live in right now. You're, you're seeing around the world the Asia sector really burning up. Uh, and look at uh, I wrote a story this morning on Pro Farmer on uh, on not only sugar but uh, uh, you know peanut oil, uh, 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 the extra virgin olive oil has surged an all time high forty six as forty six percent above last year, and that's a re- result of that severe drought in Spain. So you look around the world, uh, there, it's, it, it's in a world of herd for a number of key ag sectors. Uh, rice, uh, New York Times has an excellent uh, article in depth uh, saying as the earth heats up, it's forcing the world to find new ways to grow one of the most important crops, rice. Uh, all you rice producers, read that article because that's the, they understand your crop. Wow. It, it, I'm I'm a little surprised that you called the New York Times article excellent. Well, when they do an in-depth report without taking a a political position, the New York Times have have excellent writers. So yeah, I applaud the way they did it. I read the whole thing this morning. Wow, excellent. Yeah, excellent. Okay, um, what? Tell me about the G7 meeting. Well, it it was both sides. Uh, uh, President Biden says uh, he thinks it's going to be relatively soon that he's going to personally speak with Chinese leader Xi Jinping. But yet the G7 leaders strongly criticized China for what they called their economic coercion and militarization activities in the South China Sea. And they were right there. But but yet uh, China's vice foreign minister said Japan and that G7 colluded to what they called smear and and attacking China. And they summoned the Japanese ambassador to Beijing to protest against what they called the hype around China related issues. So that doesn't speak speak of improved U.S. China relations to me, does it to you? No, no. China, China spun it as a uh, anti-China workshop. The yes. way that the G7 could could work together to negatively influence whatever is happening in China. Yeah, uh, and um, you saw China take uh, action over the weekend against uh, computer chips by a U.S. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, manufacturer. Uh, okay, uh, the, the uh, Micron. 
they yeah. said the Micron ch- uh, you know, products failed to pass a cybersecurity review. Uh, review. That's tit for tat of what's happening. As, as I say in my speakers, the battle in the world between U.S. and China is over semiconductor chips because that's going to decide the next uh, uh, growth in, in weapons in the sky. And that's why this is a key battlefield issue on 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 uh, 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 the uh, uh, semiconductor chips, uh, Chip. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, speaking of battles in the sky, give me the latest on Ukraine. Well, Ukraine, uh, they lost a key area. At least that's what their president admitted. Uh, but yet now it looks like they're going to, in about another week or so, they're going to go on the offensive and, uh, president, uh, Biden over the weekend, again, flip flop chip and unauthorized them to have, uh, American made F-16 fighter jets. Now that's a major step, uh, that that's providing planes to Ukraine. Now their president, Ukraine's president promised, uh, 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 Biden that they would not use the F-16 fighter jets to go into Russia. So right. that's why Biden uh, uh, w- you know, went along with this. But uh, you also have the G7 call for full implementation of that Black Sea grain deal. So that's what that's another thing that Aggies should watch out for relative to the G7. There's pressure there. And then uh, the uh, you, you had a big story in the Associated Press over the weekend that the war in Ukraine has forced farmers in Ukraine to risk planting crops uh, in a field, in fields potentially littered with explosives. And they're yeah. saying, what, uh, they, 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 they'll be down at least 20 to 30% reduction in grain outputs. And that could be an understatement. Lower quality crops, potentially thousands of bankruptcies in Ukraine over the next year. And this is from the breadbasket of, of Europe right now. So that tells you, tells you the market significance of watching yeah. that war from an ag perspective. I'm telling you, though, Jim, that wheat market must have anticipated what I think you and I anticipated, that there would be no extension of the deal that allows exports from the Black Sea of of Ukraine grain. Uh, The Uh, wheat market, I think, was was uh, surprised by it. The corn market, I think it was a different perspective uh, from the corn traders than there was from wheat And today. We've got we've got a nice upside recovery going in the old crop corn and soybean markets. Right now, uh, July corn is up 15 cents. We've got July soybeans up 35 cents. July HRW wheat is down a nickel. Yeah. Um, yeah, they 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 agreed the consensus was wrong, Chip. And as yeah. I said on AgriTalk, where I went wrong on this one is I didn't realize I knew China was far and above over, over Putin, but I didn't know the significance of Turkey's president over Russia. So I think this was a bow to Turkey who wanted that extension. And I, I, I really believe that that's why they extended that. Also you have more Polish wheat headed to the United States. There was another shipment of about what 30,000 metric tons of European union origin wheat 
probably from Poland to be shipped uh, here June, June or July. So that, that's another negative short term. I just think it put in a short term top here. But we're yeah. we need to see this crop, as you mentioned to Moran, Oklahoma and Kansas are showing signs of the dirty 30s. When you talk yeah. to and, you know, well, we've known pro-farmer people for decades, and I've never heard them pe- speak as negative of uh, crop conditions as they are right now to me. Exactly, exactly. And the rains that have fallen in the last couple of weeks, and in particular the last three, four days, um, have four days uh, out in Kansas, great relief, great yes. relief, attitude changers, uh, but, not dr- but not drought busters, not yet, but... The pattern is changing. Uh, yes. El, El Nino is is developing. That should send more water into the southern plains, central plains. Uh, there were spots in Texas that just got pounded with rain uh, over the weekend, Jim. And, and so, again, another sign that the uh, the overall patterns are changing. It's... it's uh, now, I think we're going it's to hurricane now. season beginning next week, believe it or not. I think yeah. I've got yeah. that down for a story to, uh, you know, you know, work on tomorrow as far as what's the, you know, latest forecast. But yeah, you know how that can be market movings yep. as well. Yep. Yep. Give me a minute on what's going on at the border. I thought it was supposed to absolutely collapse. And I don't know if it's any worse than, than what it was or if it's better. Uh, it's actually better. So you don't know whether the the record amounts we saw the uh, last few days prior uh, to the uh, the cessation of uh, what forty two. Yeah, it's out uh, of forty two. Yeah, but they still continue in a steady pattern to come in, Chip. That that okay. has not changed yeah. there. But but although Biden has gone in a number of ways, they'll never uh, characterize it like this to Trump-like policies for, yeah. for better security. So I think that that, uh, that didn't lead to the, uh, uh, the uh, surge. In fact, uh, President Biden was uh, claiming uh, credit for some of this yeah. the, other, uh, uh, the last few days. So, yeah, but it looks it's, better. We've, yeah, we've seen, though, that this can flare up at any time. So I, I don't think that we've seen the end of this one yet. All right. All right, Jim, anything else that we need to cover? We've got about a minute. Well, from a personal perspective, Charlie Stenholm, who passed yeah. away last week, was a consummate gentleman that show a Democrat from Texas, a, yeah. in quotes, a Democrat. He was the fairest uh, lawmaker I've ever seen in my career. Uh, if you have a chance, read uh, my updates on Pro Farmer because Jeff Harrison of Combest Cell who worked closely uh, with Stenholm as a a member of the House Ag Committee on the Republican side, has a just a heartfelt commentary on Charlie Stenholm. From a pro-farmer perspective, I remember years ago uh, when pro-farmer changed the look of page one several times, uh, Charlie liked it, and he was with Pat Roberts uh, from Kansas at the time, and Pat didn't like it, but Charlie did, and he and he just told uh, Pat he's going to have to keep up with the times. <laughs> That's a personal story 
<laughs> because Charlie liked a lot of charts. And when we went yeah. to more charts on the market pages yeah. and things like that, Charlie said that was good. It helped it helped explain the story. And that's why we yeah. do it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, everyone, don't forget, you need to get Jim's daily comments on profarmer.com. Daily comments. Uh, they are every bit worth the uh, worth the subscription to get to uh, profarmer.com. And be sure to listen to AgriTalk every morning at 10.06 afternoons at 2.06 Central. This is Markets and News Signal to Noise. Have a great week. Keep watching for those signals.